Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Bagoons Barrage, the State of New England podcast. With me, your host, as always, Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. The Bagoon. But, folks, we have a very special edition of Bagoons Barrage because it's the Jack and Jake edition. Jack Abbott is joining us here. Jack, a little bit of an expert on New England sports in terms of the Patriots. And when it comes to the Patriots specifically with NFL free agency starting in less than 24 hours, we thought it'd be a pretty good time, yeah, to discuss the Patriots and their free agent market, which of course is usually slim pickings, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. First and foremost, Jack, how you doing today? Jake, doing great, man. Doing great. Been, a, uh, been an exciting couple days in the NFL free agency front and, uh, and everything else too. So thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. So with the Patriots, everybody knows that this isn't a team with the exception of, I can think of one year, a couple years back when they got both Brandon Browner and Darrell Revis. But when it comes to the Patriots, this is not a team that makes big splashes at all in the free agency market. What you have, though, on this team right now is one guy in particular, at least in my opinion, but you have one guy in particular that is the most important out of anybody else, and that's the guy that's come up with two huge plays the last two times that the Patriots have been in the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm talking about Dante Hightower. Would you say that Hightower is the most important guy when it comes to the Patriots' free agency season? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's tough, I guess. It's not absolute. You can make a case for Butler as well. Obviously, they've, they've issued him the tender right now. Um, I, I agree. Hightower is a guy that, that you can't you can't let walk. And it used, we see how important that position is in a Patriots defense as well. Um, you know, going back to Brewski and then Mayo and, and now Hightower. Um, he's really shown he can lead the D. Uh, Bill seems to like him a lot. They seem to get along really well. Um, you know, I'm hoping in my heart of hearts, Jake, that, that, that what they're doing is similar to what they did with McCourty a couple of years ago, uh, where, you know, it's doing what's right by the player. You're, you're getting him out there, allowing him to test his own value on the free agent market, see what he's worth, uh, and then giving the Patriots hopefully a chance to match or, or better any offer, and everyone feels like they won at the end of the day. Uh, you know, they don't lowball him with an offer now, and he feels jaded and goes out there and, and you know, does something uh, – Maybe out of spite, uh, they don't franchise him and lock him up and, and hurt him in terms of a long-term deal. Um, so I'm hoping really that's what happens, but I absolutely agree with you. I think he's priority number one, and you, you build around him. Okay, you mentioned a name that I always think about when it comes to the big free agent signings that were already on the Patriots squad. Devin McCourty, a couple of years back... I was like, you, you have to re-sign McCourty. He is the quarterback of your defense, ironically, with the exception of Dante Hightower. But I always saw as McCourty the cornerback of the defense. He's a safety that can do so many things that other safeties cannot. It, it helps because he was, of course, a former cornerback. That's what he was drafted as, and then he was turned into a safety. So he's like that hybrid cornerback, free safety guy. But when it comes to Hightower, I look at the McCourty situation where they let him walk and they tested that free agent market. Now, Michael Lombardi, who used to be with the Patriots, wrote a great article talking about exactly what you just said, that they let him, that is McCourty, go and test the waters in free agency. How much do you think that will help 
the Patriots with this Dante Hightower situation. Like, they show Hightower, here, we've done this before, now you can test it out, and if you don't like or you're not blown away by an offer, just come on back and everything will work out well, just like it did with Devin. Yeah, I, I think exactly. I think the effect is twofold, right? So the first aspect of it is 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 you're making the player feel warm to you. He doesn't feel slighted in any way. Um, you're giving him an opportunity to do what he wants to do and, and explore his own career development, right? Um, and then the other side of that is, you know, worst case scenario, he goes out there and someone blows him away with an offer and the Pats don't want to match it, and he goes his separate ways. Not only does he still have a soft spot for New England because they didn't kick him out of town or anything like that, but it also sets a precedent to other players down the line. You know, it, it New England gets a bad rap a lot of times, and specifically Bill, for being you know, being harsh to players, being a coach-friendly environment. Guys don't want to come here. We don't want to you know, have to do this and that. And Jamie Collins, I want to freelance and things like that. This is a very player-friendly move that, that not only hopefully wins this one interaction with Dante Hightower, but also you know helps keeping the goodwill come in for the Patriots and lets people see that, hey, you know they're doing things the right way. They don't treat their players like, like garbage, um, and they're trying to help a guy out who's helped them out. Why do you think it is that the Patriots, and this is a question I have all the time, every single free agency, why do you think the Patriots have this bad reputation? Because, at least from my standpoint, it seems like they do a great job. You always hear about these players that are not wanted by any other team. I mean, Deion Lewis, two years ago, he, he didn't play a snap in the NFL for two full seasons. The Patriots say, this is how we're going to use you. We will make you an unstoppable force. Why don't other free agents want that? Why don't they want to be on a team that says, hey, we understand what you do and we will make you better look at Van Noy like he was a perfect example of that but why do you think that the Patriots get this bad reputation when it comes to free agents I think it's not just free agents in general, but that definitely has a big impact. But I think a lot of it is really just the way that they as an organization are so disciplined, right? I think that that is something that comes out play by play with their assignments and why they've been so successful, but also off the field practices, OTAs, uh, you know, the media interactions. They are just built on discipline. And a lot of players, um, you know, they, they don't exactly want that. Uh, a lot of guys want to do what they want to do. They want to be with a coach who, who's going to overlook certain things. Um, and, and a lot of guys don't quite understand the, how the equation works, at least how it's worked in New England, that um, that works great a lot of times. And, and But more often than not, it's being consistent. It's staying true to your guns. Uh, and that that's what wins. And I think, you know, with the, with the other flurry of activity we've seen in this pre-agent period, you know, a lot of guys coming out uh, saying, hey, I'm looking at the Patriots. I would It'd be a great fit. I want to win a championship. Um, as, as funny as it is to say this now, I think the cat's out of the bag on the secret. I think, uh, you know, guys are realizing, hey, I can take a little bit less money, go be part of a winning franchise. It's kind of remarkable that it's taken 17 years for uh, <laughs> a really turn the corner, so to speak. But um, I think I think that's the first half of it. I think guys don't, you know, they don't necessarily see that as a fit for their personalities or their playing style or their desires in general. Um, I think it's also the kind of thing that it just is a result of the way the NFL is structured, right? So there's there's no guaranteed money or it's very limited contract at any second. Um, and, and a lot of guys, you know, at one point in their careers, I think it's fair to, to understand that, you know, they want their payday. And, that, you know, you may take less to go to the Patriots, but you go to the Patriots, you take less, everything, you do everything the right way and you still don't win. And it's like, well, now I set myself back a couple years in my in my professional financial development. Um, you know, look at, look, take a guy like Chris Long, for yep, example. Exactly. You know, 
the tail end of his prime, but uh, still has a lot of good years left. Heat made a conscious decision to come here, take a, a, a smaller role in the team, and win. And he's been I, – I love Chris Long. I mean, I'm, I follow on Instagram and, and everything – and that message he put out there when he left, when he decided to not come back to the Patriots, I thought that was one of the most honest and, and breathtaking. Or uh, yeah, uh, it, it was just a refreshing a take on things. That hey, I did this to win. I did it. It's not that I don't want the Pats or don't. I just I got to take some more money. I want to get back to what I want to do. Um, so yeah, I think it's the, just the volatility in the NFL that a lot of guys aren't willing to do it. Um, and, and you know it's it's a you know they can come in and win for sure that's been proven but it's not a guarantee and you know personal feelings are always in play too um, and, and they're not necessarily willing to sacrifice all that for for just a chance at winning a Super Bowl as weird as that sounds. Okay, you mentioned Chris Long. He is a guy that I thought played it perfectly. I love that Instagram post. I saw it as well. And now we'll move on to a guy that people are giving a lot of gruff. And I don't get that. He's doing kind of the same thing Chris Long is, but in a little bit more boisterous way because that's his personality. And it's the Marty Sorts. Martellus Bennett comes for one year from a trade. The Patriots, my God, the Patriots traded a fourth-round pick <laughs> for Martellus Bennett, an insurance policy for Rob Gronkowski that they had to cash in every time. He played through three different injuries during the season, did not miss a single game, was the second-best blocking tight end in the NFL behind only Rob Gronkowski. And now, when he wants to make money, he's at the end of his career as well. And now when he wants to make money and leave the Patriots, people are freaking out. Do you get that at all? Or are you with me that that's exactly what he should do, which is the Chris Long move, but in a more Martellus Bennett way, they gots to pay me. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely a more outspoken guy. Uh, I, I love Marty Bennett. I love his, that he's a free spirit. I love what he, you know, what he posts on online and just his whole presence. Everything he's about, I love it. Um, I, I'm with you for sure. I, I think you know, do you, man? You, you've done it. I get it. Do what you want to do. I also get where fans are coming from, though. I think you know, it's if you if you're not if you don't understand that about Marty and and really what he's done um, and who he is, uh, you know, as much as I can without ever having met the guy or anything like. What he seems like, right. I think that's his personality. I don't think he is holding back anything. I think the guy you see is the guy he actually is. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think you, you see it on the other side of fans who don't necessarily understand that. And they just say, oh, you know, you're, you're in it for the money. You're a gold digger. Come out, you know, like, don't you want to win again? And, and it's just, I think that's very selfish of fans. Um, I saw him responding. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this, too. I saw him responding to some fans' criticisms on Instagram and Facebook. And I've been tempted several times to write a message to him and just say, hey, man, let that stuff go. They don't get it. You know, we appreciate everything you've done. Uh, I think it's just an easy lightning rod for people to come out and say, Brady takes a pay cut. You know, these guys take a pay cut. You should come in and try to win. Like, not everyone's created equally. You know, not or married to Giselle Bunchen. What's that? Oh, married to Giselle Bunchen. Yeah. Or, you know, the NFL player is not the breadwinner of their household. Um, so, you know, he has some luxuries there that he can afford to do what he wants. But, you know, not everyone's cut from the same cloth. Marty's got to do Marty. Um, no ill will at all, I think. The, the best thing about seeing him here is is really, I think he put it all together and, and was as Patriot-like as you're going to get Marty Bennett to be. Um, I remember watching those Hard Knocks seasons or the season with the Cowboys where he was on the team and he's spoken publicly about it now, but that's a guy that's disgruntled and is immature and doesn't get it. He is he's not that anymore. He's been a team player through and through, and, and I think, you know, from people that really understand it, I, don't, I, I just pat him on the back, say thank you for your time, and, and do you, man, get your thing. 
So he's a guy that's always going to do his own thing. We've talked about a couple of different of the unrestricted free agents. You mentioned earlier a guy that is an RFA or a restricted free agent. That, of course, is Malcolm Butler. Now, they give, they give him the first round tendered free agent. Now, what that means, obviously, is that if anybody else wants to sign him and offer him a better contract, the Patriots can still match that. And do you think that's enough? Do you think that any other team is going to try to go over the top on the Patriots? What does your gut feeling tell you when it comes to Malcolm Butler? I think uh, I think it's it's the best they can do uh, to buy themselves some time to lock him up if that's what they're trying to do. Um, you know, frankly though, the first round tender is it, it's good. It's a good security blanket they have in place. But you look at some teams that you know that might be picking towards the end of the seventeen draft that might not value that that pick as much as you know some of the other teams. Certainly, Cleveland's not going to come out and blow them away with an offer. But someone like Green Bay, um, you know, comes out, they steal them away. Maybe maybe they make a run with it. Their defense was atrocious last year, and and maybe they're picking thirty or thirty two even. And then that's really no skin off their back. Um, I'd say even a team, you know, on the cusp, maybe call it like the Dolphins, you know, think about them coming in that they're obviously a little bit more in the middle of the pack, but they're a playoff team, as we showed last year, they're in division with the Patriots. And if, the, if things go well, they may not be giving up that high of a pick either. And, and not only that, but they're also taking one of the best defensive players away from a team they're going to see twice a year. So I, you know, I think it's, it's as good of a safeguard as you can get in place, not foolproof. Um, I'd be interested to see what the Patriots do if there is an offer that's that's really over the top there and how they handle it. Um, I don't think I think they're kind of expecting that's not the case, um, and that's really second level safeguard in there. And, of course, the RFAs have really worked out for the Patriots in the past. Last year, it was Chris Hogan who ended up being one of the best receivers come playoff time, and he was oh so steady this year. So if you guys don't remember what an RFA is, all it took was the Patriots to sign an offer sheet there for Chris Hogan, and boom, you've got a guy that you could rely on in the Super Bowl. Sometimes it's that easy. Usually it works out for the Patriots. All right. One second, if I'm correct, I don't believe they even had to give up a pick for Hogan because since he was undrafted, they signed an original round tender or a late round tender. I, don't, I read today they had to give up any comp picks, so win-win for them. Yeah, it was uh, the Bills. You talk about uh, Marty being Marty. It was the Bills being the Bills. <laughs> so exactly. You've got the small guys. And it seems like we've all we've been talking about defense a lot here. And with the Patriots, I mean, that's what it is. As much as you think about Tom Brady and the offense, the Patriots have historically gotten a bunch, a bunch of leeway when it comes to free agents on the defensive side. Mike Vrabel, Rodney Harrison, Brian Cox, if you still want to go all the way back to 2001. The defense is where the Patriots seem to make their money. Brandon Browner, Darrell Revis. I mean, there's a ton of guys that when you pick on the defensive end for the free agents, the Patriots come up big. These, though, the guys we're talking about right now, are the guys that the Patriots already have on their team. And the biggest, literally, free agent of them all that worries me is Alan Branch. And it seems like the Patriots have been very aggressive trying to get Branch. Is he as important to this defense as I think he is? You know, it's always tough to say, Jake. I feel like they've had so many so many linemen on the defensive side over the years um, that, that fit their need perfectly. They have such a unique scheme on D. Um, they don't really look for the pass rusher. They look more for the stop gaps and the system guys. 
um, the gap to gap. Like certainly that's why Vince was so good because he could play A to A. Yeah. Um, very versatile despite his size. I, it's hard for me to say. I think so. I think because, you know, it, it, you got a guy who can produce on the field and who also gets it off the field and, and is bought in. And I think that's why I do make a, I do make an offer to Allen Branch. I want to keep him. Um, I mean, you know, they've had a lot of success drafting in, in the uh, the defensive line lately. I guess Malcolm Brown and Dominic Easley until he kind of played his way out of town. They both had talent on the field like they haven't seen in a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I think I think I put Branch pretty high up on the priority list. I think there's, you know, it seems to be a pretty deep draft at that position. Uh, and there are other guys in free agency they might look at too. But, yeah, he's, he's up there for me, man. I think, you know, you get a guy who plays well in their system, who's bought into it, um, and is relatively under the radar. I think you got an opportunity for, for Bill to be Bill there and get him in a value deal. Do you think the emergence of Trey Flowers has made everything easier for Belichick, the general manager, when it comes to the defensive line? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Getting a guy out of nowhere like that who, you know, has a tremendous uh, – weight loss efforts and just getting himself in playing shape. I think, you know, anytime you get someone out of the blue like that that comes in and overproduces for you, uh, I think that makes everything easier. It, it gives you leverage with the other guys, too. You know, Branch knows, and, and they may not play the exact same position all the time, but Branch knows, hey, there's guys that can come in and do this. I think it kind of lights a fire under everyone else and, and definitely makes Bill's job a lot easier. And so you've got Branch. You mentioned I mentioned Trey Flowers, and you apparently have the same opinion of him that I do. Now, flipping back over to the offensive side, you mentioned the deepness of the draft on the D-line. This draft is one of the best drafts in years when it comes to the tight ends. But earlier today, the Patriots apparently, I thought they were going to draft a tight end pretty high, like one of the first three rounds of this draft, but the Patriots made a trade earlier today for Dwayne Allen. How much do you do you think that affects the free agency market for the Patriots at the tight end position? Well, I think that, that establishes, number one, that they don't expect Marty Bennett to come back, which is what, what we kind of alluded to and danced around. Uh, I hear he's asking for, for $9 million, something like that. Ball part. <laughs> They're not going to pay him that at all. Uh, I think Dwayne Allen, Dwayne Allen's interesting, right? Because he's been injured, often injured, which, you know, it'd be nice to have an insurance policy for Gronk that wasn't more injured than Gronk. Um, but, you know, I think he fits the mold. He's a big guy. He's a great blocker. There's a quote I read today from Bill from 2014, probably the Deflategate game, uh, going in and saying, we're not going to see a better blocker at the tight end position, or we may not, or something like that. Um, so he fits the mold. Um, I think they got him at a good deal. I think, what is it, 2.5? Two yeah, it's small. Yeah, it's less than $3 million. Yeah, with two million in bonuses, like it's it's perfect. Um, I, you know, I think it's interesting though. He's not the best pass catcher, right? So, if they're going back to the two tight end sets of old, or that's what always Bill's been navigating or gravitating towards Hernandez and Gronk, and even Daniel Graham and Ben Watson way back. Um, he's not that guy. But I think that that doesn't shut the door on them drafting a guy. Uh, who's maybe more of an agile pass catcher, um, but I think you know they've shown lately, and and we'll you know I'm sure you're going to talk about the signing of uh, James Devlin as well mm-hmm. that. Bill puts a premium on blocking, and and if you can add another lineman effectively in there with Gronk stealing the edge or Bennett, that's why Marty was so great, or Dwayne Allen, and especially with a fullback coming up the gut, uh, and all of which can really do everything too. They can all catch and, and have move the ball. I think that's that's just what they do. They, they they like to get those versatile guys, and and I think it's a great ad for them. Especially they gave up a fourth and they got a sixth back, I believe. Yeah, um, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, and a difference of 63-64 picks between those two. So as far as I'm concerned, they, they, they lost nothing in that deal. And, and they needed a sixth anyway, so why not? Yeah, very Belichickian deal. So, okay, you mentioned the guy that kind of warms the cockles of my heart there. Uh, James Devlin, he gets signed to a two-year deal yesterday. Now, that was at the time when Adrian Peterson... It was still. It still seemed like the Patriots wanted him. A report comes out, came out earlier today that the Patriots weren't thinking at all of picking up Adrian Peterson. Now, I think that is a fantastic move. I do not want Adrian Peterson on this team, not because um, of all the horrible things, the beating of his son. I don't like to whitewash things. He beat his son with a stick. That's beating your son, all right? Until the kid bled from an area, no man wants any type of injury to occur, man or boy. So I don't, I, I care about that stuff, but that's not why I don't want him on the Patriots. I don't want him on the Patriots because he's a running back that is almost exclusively in a two-back set. And as much as I like James Devlin, I don't want James Devlin on the field for 50-50 55 uh, snaps a game. Would you take Devlin on the field for 50-55 snaps a game if it also meant Adrian Peterson was there in the backfield with Tom Brady? Yeah, I guess that my, my issue is not so much with Devlin being on the field. I think, you know, if you're going to have a fullback on the field, I'd take him over anybody, uh, including Eustex, who just set a record for, for full, uh, fullback signings about an hour ago. Um, my problem is more with Adrian Peterson is lack of versatility. Uh, I said that word a lot. He is, you know, one of the most talented running backs of our lifetimes with the ball in his hands. Can't catch, can't run block. Um, that's not a combo that Bill likes, and it's not one that works in the system. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, I think they would keep Devlin on the field in passing downs, too, to protect Tom. Or, or they'd get AP'd out of there and put, you know, Brandon Bolden in there for, for whatever we care. I mean, that because he, he can protect Tom. So, I, I hate Adrian Peterson as a fit for the pads. I think if, if for it to work out, it would need to be, you know, Two, two million a year, three million a year, and he'd have to know, hey man, you are not the guy. We we got Tom Brady, we got we got James White, we got Deion Lewis, um, and I, I don't think that's a fit at all. I hate Adrian Peterson. I have no concern to sum it up. No concern with Devlin being on the field that much, but uh, I just don't think Peterson's a fit at all. I think it brings way too much attention that they don't need either. When it comes to Deion Lewis and James White, two of the guys you just mentioned, their versatility is something that just gives defensive coordinators nightmares. Last game we saw was kind of a flip of the script when it comes to Lewis and White. Usually it's Deion Lewis that is more of the featured back. He can do everything, so too can James White. But in the Super Bowl, Lewis was nowhere to be found. He had an awful game. Watching that game over and over again, I'm amazed at his inability to break tackles. James White took over. Do you think we see White supplanting Lewis, a guy that... Has whenever he's on the field, the Patriots have not lost a single game with. But do you think we see White supplanting Lewis going forward, or do you think that game, the Super Bowl, was an aberration? I don't think it's an aberration. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know that James White is the long-term answer, nor is Deion Lewis. 
I think what they've shown, if anything, over the history of, of Bill and his, ten, his tenure with the Pats is that they do not value the running back position, uh, you know, as, as much as other teams do. I think White showed that he maybe is a little cooler under pressure than Dion. Dion seemed to tighten up and just wasn't relaxed and, and being Dion. James White almost couldn't care less what the, what the, the stage was. He just kind of did his thing. Um, I, you know, I, I hearken back to Shane Vereen uh, two years ago, three, whatever it was, with the Seahawks game, the Super Bowl. Um, what do you have, 11 catches that day? Yeah, and it seemed like every single one was for a first down in the third and fourth quarter. Exactly, and they both, they're, they're excellent with that wheel wrap, too, and that's what Tom loves, just laying it up there. Uh, you know, they, they both caught that way more than, way more successfully than Dion ever has. Um, he keeps dropping him. It's like his bugaboo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but at the end of the day, as great as Marine was, what happened at the end of that year, uh, he walked. So, you know, I don't think that the Giants blew him out of the water with a salary. I just don't think Bill values that position as well as much as anyone else. I think what we would expect, what I expect him to do, is if it's not through the draft, I, I expect him to just constantly backfill that position. You know, they, uh, they they'll, they'll pick up some guys who who run the three cone drill well and can catch out of the backfield and block, and um, and, and that'll be the way they go with it. And, and you know, if James White is continues to grow and, and trajectory and have a trajectory like we've seen, then then yeah, he becomes the guy. I think he's younger than Dion, he seems to be better between the tackles than Dion, uh, and, he's, and he's less injury prone than Dion. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's if we're just comparing the two of them. Yeah, I think he's got the edge. He's supplanted him, um, but you know, I don't think either of them is the long term solution. Nor, nor does Bill really look for a long term running back solution. Yep, he's all about the short term. So, what's the answer at short term? Is it the big guy? Is it Blunt? No, no, I think Blunt's gone. Um, I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I think I think Blunt's gone. I, I think it's weird. You look at like the second half of the year, and it's hard to argue with the year he had. He had the most touchdowns of any running back, but he, just, he wasn't dynamic. A lot of those games too were like you know he piled them on a couple goal lines and a long run. It wasn't that he was continuously getting you know five six yards a clip or, or even four. Um, and, and so I think combine that with the fact that. Um, you know, I got the feeling, this is weird, too. In the Super Bowl, he had that fumble, obviously, and he benched him. And, but he's the first guy out there after the game celebrating. You saw that, too, right? You saw him take a beeline for James White. And, yeah, that and even when Bill and Tom, uh, Brady and Belichick, were, were sitting down kind of huddled on the ground with the media around him, he's in there shaking their heads. We did it, guys. We did it. It felt a little dis- not disingenuous, but like they were just like, hey, hey, dude, you almost lost the game for us. Like, Get out of here. Like, it, Maybe that's why he was so happy. Yeah, it certainly was. I would feel happy. <laughs> I mean, going back to baseball, you give up a home run to lose uh, to lose the lead, and then your buddy hits a home run to take the lead, and you're thrilled for him, right? Yeah, you're the happiest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I know too, but it, I just got the impression that it was a little too much. And and now you see the reports out there that people are wary that he is a, a, a patriot running back, meaning that he's only got the, the he's only good with Bill's magic touch. Um, I think that's kind of the stigma about him. He's never really been that good outside of New England. A couple good games in Tampa. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he goes. I think if the Pats aren't going to pay him, nobody's going to pay him. And, and they just don't seem that interested. Um, I don't know why. I think it's a combo of those reasons, and he's just kind of run the course here, and, and I don't think they're, they're interested in, in re-signing him. Okay, so we don't know what the short answer is at running back. I still think the long answer at quarterback is Tom Brady. He put up a 28 and 
two. 28 touchdowns, two interceptions this past season. Yeah, he might be 40. He's playing like he's 26. I think he'll go for five more years. My way out there theory is that he wants to be with Belichick when Belichick finally retires after eclipsing Don Shula's um, all-time wins record, which would be another probably six years. That's my theory. So I think... Tom Brady is the long-term answer at quarterback, which means for the short term, you don't need a guy as your backup quarterback in Jimmy G. Do you think he's going? If so, for how much? In other words, it's got to be at least a first-round draft pick, and I think it's even better than Browns at 12. Okay, so so to answer your first question, if I'm them, I absolutely look to move him. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you take the risk that, you know, Assume Tom's healthy and Jimmy G is now, what, 25, 26. He has another year under his belt of not playing. Uh, his contract's up at the end of next season. And then at worst, they get a compensation pick for letting him walk. At best, excuse me. So I think you make a move while he's under contract. Um, I agree with you about Tom being, I wouldn't call it a long-term solution. I guess for a lot of teams, five years is the long-term solution. <laughs> <laughs> another spoiled New England comment. But, right. you know, I think I, I'm with you there. And we can go into the reasons why. It's probably a separate podcast on its own. But, um, yeah, I, I think so. I think you get Jimmy out of here. You don't waste the kid's time. You don't you don't tie up money that you don't need to either. Um, and, and you know what? Right now, looking at what these quarterbacks are getting offered, Mike Glennon is going to sign for $15 million a year. Crazy uh, Brian Hoyer to the, to the Giants, to the 49ers, I mean. Yeah, like that is that's stupid money, and and I think the Pats, if they're smart, I think they've played this beautifully. I think they're planning on trading him as close to the deadline for the for the draft as they can, because I think the longer you wait, this draft class is really weak uh, for quarterbacks. I think you're just driving the value higher and higher and higher. You're going to get teams that miss out on Brian Hoyer and are desperate for a quarterback. Um, so if it's me, yes, I trade him. Do I think they're going to? They should. Does anything ever work out the way I think they're going to with a trade? Absolutely not. So, um, I don't know. Now, in regards to what they get for him, I think they're absolutely right because of what I just said. To ask for two first-round picks this year and next year. Why the heck not? You got you have all the leverage. You have a guy who's under Tom Brady, and, and look what Matt Castle got for playing a year. After, you know, after being under Tom for three years, like guy got forty million guaranteed or something. Um, I, I think they could get. I, I'd love to see him get that twelve from Cleveland. Um, and, and I mean, because a future pick from Cleveland is as good as uh, as good as a safe bet as you can get in terms of where you're going to be picking in the draft. Um, I think they're asking for a first this year and a first next, and I think they'd settle for a first and a second this year. Um, I think they might even do a first and a second next year. I think they're just asking for the moon, knowing that, hey, let's keep that price high. We do not have to cave. Worst-case scenario, we have uh, you know two of the top 20 to 25 quarterbacks on our roster where some teams don't even have one. Yeah, the luxuries of being the New England Patriots. All right, about two minutes left. Lightning round. Okay. Jimmy G with the Patriots for 20 17. No. Dante Hightower with the Patriots for 2017. Yes. I like the hesitation there. That's the toughest one. And it's because is it a better offer from the Patriots or a better situation from the Patriots? Uh, what you're saying, why would he stay? They're going to give him a better offer, a better situation? Yeah. I, I think I think I don't think their offer beats anybody out there. They rarely do. I think uh, he settles for a slightly less money to come back. Okay, Malcolm Butler with the Patriots in 2018. Uh, I'm gonna say no. 
I'm going to say no. All right. That, that, I think that's an entirely different podcast. Then we'll come back to that one. Alan Branch, 2017. Yes. LeGarrette Blunt, 2017. No. Jabal Sheard, 2017. No. Okay, so when it comes to the free agents for 2017, it looks like to me it is high tower or bust for the Patriots. Whom else do you think they're going to get to round out this 2017 class? You know, I'd really like to see them to go after Jared Odrick a little more. Um, I know it was it's really the only team that's been tied to him uh, that I've seen in the last couple of weeks. They brought him in for a physical and talked to him. I think he, he's the exact type of guy. I mean, you're bringing, you're losing Chris Long and you're bringing in Jared Odrick. I think he's a guy who's a physical freak who plays with a high motor, um, has been around, and uh, I think he comes to win. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I, I don't know. They haven't really brought in too many other defensive guys for it. Um, but yeah, that I think that he's the guy I'd go after, and you know that protects against Sheard. It even protects against. Uh, Alan Branch a little bit, but I think Branch comes back too, like I said. Okay, so Hightower, Branch, and Audric. We're going defense for the 2017 offseason. How's that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel good, man. It's I thought that was the plan all along, and then they opened up the doors on uh, these offensive studs, and it got my hopes up. I almost wish they didn't offer that trade to Brandon Cooks because now I can't stop – or it's for Brandon Cooks because now I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I think that's just leverage. So here's my thought, too, and I don't want to take too much more time. You're but good. Uh, I had a conspiracy theory the other day. I read last night at like 10 o'clock that uh, they're kicking the tires of Deshaun Jackson, which is, you know, kind of disproven today. Um, but in my head, it, it kind of made me think. Brandon Marshall, they talked to. He talked about coming here. Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Cooks are interested in. I wonder if they're hedging a little bit, if they're concerned uh, about Edelman next year, that he's going to look to walk when his contract's up. And, and even if he doesn't look to walk, I mean, obviously he and Tom have their bromance. I don't think he would want to go anywhere, but they're, they're getting their cards and uh, their ducks in a row, and they've got leverage now. You know, they know what's out there. They know what people are looking for. They're just educating themselves, and they're also showing Jules, hey, man, you're not the only dog here. Um, we can go out and, you know, potentially woo somebody else. So I, I think – I don't know if that's off base or not, but that, it just kind of hit me like – why are, they, why are they going after all these offensive receivers? They've got Hogan, Edelman, Amendola sounds like he wants to come back. Malcolm Mitchell's showing great promise. Uh, why do you need a guy like Brandon Cooks? And it's like, well, you know, you never know what happens. They, some contracts are up, and they're just being the Pats. They're overprotecting themselves and, and just doing what they do. If there is no longer a Julian Edelman on the Patriots in two years, there are going to be a lot of women not really as happy celebrating International Women's Day as they are today if Julian Edelman isn't on that roster. But uh, that's tough. I feel like Brady would restructure the contract to about a dollar if Julian Edelman is gone. But that is a really good thought because these are all guys that can fit that Julian Edelman mode. So, or role, I should say. That's a pretty good thought right there, and I think that's a good place to end on. Jack, as always, thank you for joining me here. Great job first time here on Bagoons Barrage. Thanks, Jake. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. All right, so the Bruins and the Celtics, they'll play later tonight. The New England Patriots looks like they're in a pretty good mood, so state from New England right now, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. As always, thank you for tuning in here on Bagoons Barrage, the State of New England podcast. And as always, go New England. Blame.